What is going on, comic fam? It's your boy, the Bearded Comic Bro, and I am joined again by comic creator Mark Russell. Welcome back to the show. Wow, thanks, thanks for having me back. And I'm glad excited. I didn't ruin it for you the first time. <laughs> you didn't have me back. <laughs> I'm glad you're willing to come back after being on my show. Uh, this is the fourth time I've had you on the show to talk about comics with me, and I feel like next year when I ask you to come back again, I'm gonna have to give you like. What do they give in SNL? The robes? Like you're gonna yeah, have the green have... jacket. You're gonna have to yeah. give me the green jacket. So um I'll have to start saving now for I'll have jacket. to start saving like how much is it to make one green jacket? <laughs> yeah. But... I want some uh like brocade, some epaulettes. <laughs> it's special. You know, it's it's gotta be, it's gotta be special. But no, I am excited to like I've said before, you're one of my favorite writers. When your name is on a book, I instantly pick it up. And that sadly has become an issue for me because you write a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I am uh, prolific out of sheer financial self-defense. <laughs> I just got to keep getting paid. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to hit on, um, it's been interesting the last couple of months as books have been coming out and things like that is we talked our first time about kind of how you got into comics and you had mentioned doing that kind of serial uh, comic strip and stuff. And then that was in the Edgar Allan Poe stuff. And then you just released it a couple months ago, the trade um, we've all collected, which is great. And then it, like one of your first works with DC was Prez. And then now that just got announced like that. That's coming. Like, it seems like your comics career is just like coming full circle in the last couple months, even more. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't mean that they're done with me. But... <laughs> You've shown the door getting gold watched because they're bringing back these really primordial things that I created. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's in a way sort of gratifying, but yeah. also kind of surprising. Cause I think Prez especially was the, was the title I felt of doing kind of left for dead. Mm. Uh, I didn't even get to finish it. I only got to write half the issues I had planned the story for. So the idea that they would bring that back in repackaging is really nice. Uh, uh, but at the same time, and, and, it, and it's sort of like, I think, vindicates i think what we wanted originally to do with with the comic uh but it would have been nice if i could have finished it <laughs> is that so is that something like you know with them coming back is that you get much of a heads up or they're just like hey like this is it's coming back yeah no i got a lot of heads up um because they weren't sure if they were going to be able to uh resurrect it from the dead and but then they, they talked to me about it and warned me that it might it might come back in the new YA format and then ask me if I'd be interested in writing a, a six page short for it, like a new one, a new story yeah, uh, for Ben to draw uh, that, that could go in it. And so I think they've really given a lot of attention and a lot of care. And I'm really, you know, kind of happy to see that at least to somebody, it still matters. Right. And, you know, getting to go back into this world. Um, is that, is that something that like excites you? Like when, you said you didn't get to finish this, the story you wanted to tell. And now you're getting to at least get to live in this universe again for a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because uh, it, you get, when you're writing something, you are not just writing it once you're writing it over and over and over again. So you get sick of yourself after a while. So the closest you can have to experiencing your own work as a reader mm. is to leave something and not think about it for like years and then come back and read it again for the first time. And I think, for me, that was kind of the real value of this exercise is going back and looking at Prez again for the first time for years, kind of how I would as a reader and actually being kind of pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. So I thought, you know, when I when I uh, 
what I was going to do, I thought, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to cringe. I'm going to think, oh, I would never do that now, which is true to a degree. But for the most yeah. part, I, I understand why why it still like lurks in people's imaginations because there was just a lot of like creativity and, and a lot of like ideas in there that, you know, maybe didn't get fully explored, but that were that were clearly there on the page. I think what stands out to me is how much how excited I was to write a comic book. Yeah. And how much I think love went into the pages. And I'm so glad that that holds up, at least to me and to my eyes, you know, eight years later. Yeah, that's I was, you know, I was always curious about that as a creator. Like, it's got to be sometimes weird to, like, go back and read your work. Like, I know as I'm I'm constantly having to listen to myself talk when I'm editing these videos. And I'm like, oh, I sound like a moron. Like, I don't know how to have a conversation with somebody. But is it? that kind of experience for you like at all of like you don't like to look at your past work or sometimes you're like you know this is a fun experience i try not to look at it precisely okay. for that reason because i don't want it to you know uh, oh i want it to give a chance to sort of recover in you know my my conscious so i go through the phase of like when i'm writing something it seems exciting and new and i i think the ideas i'm coming up with are good and uh and then i'm rewriting it and i'm i'm coming up with better ideas or I'm shooting down old ideas, but I get to rewrite it so much that by the time I'm done, I have no idea. I have no idea if this is good or not, or if this is worthwhile, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it myself. Yeah. And so, you know, when it, by the time it actually comes out in print, the last thing I want to do is read it. So yes. I usually just sort of forget about it. And then occasionally, you know, somebody will post something online or I'll, uh, they'll maybe when the trade comes out like a year later, I'll read that. And, and yeah, I think that's kind of the moment where I, where I am able to sort of best judge my own work after I've okay. been away from it for a while and I see it for the first time in a long time. And in this case, this is the longest I've ever gone between creating something and, and reading it again for the first time. So it was, it was, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Another thing though, too, that happened this year um, was you ventured into one of your first Kickstarters. Uh, yeah. how was that experience for you going from always doing these direct to market books and things like that to then, Hey, I'm going to create my own thing and crowdfund it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I had a good time. Uh, not as much fun, um, fulfilling the rewards as yes. uh, taking the money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was still a really good experience and I do it again. In fact, I'm, I'm planning on doing a second book at some point, you know, uh, either in 2024 or 2025, but um, yeah, I, I I think what I really wanted was to create something that I could bring to the conventions that not everybody would have. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times I'll go to the conventions and I'll be selling books at my table and everybody will, you know, people will come up who already have everything at the table. And I feel like I, you know, almost like I've let them down in some way. It's like, oh, I don't have anything new for you. So this way I, I feel like I will almost always have something that they haven't seen before. Yeah. Something that I can sort of talk to them about. So I, I like that. I like having sort of something at my table at the convention that I can that I can talk to somebody about that's new and they or, you know, they're not just standing there with this, some things for me to sign. There's actually something for them to like look at. And I get to see them flip through the pages and enjoy one of my books for the first time right in front of me. That's cool. That's something I guess I never would have thought that's an issue for you because literally you have a book out every week. It's, it's like, but yeah, I, I can't fit them all on the tables. I, I don't usually bring them all to the, so I usually sort of focus on the new stuff and people generally have that. Yeah. And because I was 
I remember last time we were talking, like we, I did the whole interview and I was like, anything else you're working on? You're like, yeah, I got like, I'm on the third issue of the second volume of my bad. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm currently reading that right now. I was like, what an idiot. Um, but you, you've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, you know, like you wrapped up last year with the, my bad, uh, we're getting to see a little bit, uh, visiting that again with acid chimp and business dog here. Um, something like that where it's you're taking two properties obviously it's with the same publisher for you um but they're two different stories what was that like of coming up with this is an idea you wanted to have was this something that ahoy kind of went approach you and because i obviously i know you work with bryce with this as well so yeah yeah it was something that ahoy came up with and uh bryce and i both sort of took it on as sort of a challenge uh because it's it seemed like a really hard writing assignment because these are both animal characters who would never interact, uh, neither of whom speaks. And, you know, they have very, and only one of them really has any sort of agency. Uh, and the whole point of the business dog character is that he doesn't do anything really except for eat dog food and that he's built his entire, you know, business empire uh, ar around eating out of the right bowl of dog food, which creates the investments that, 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 that make him rich. Uh, whereas Acid Chimp, you know, just wants to throw acid on things and usually doesn't get to. Uh, so it was really hard to create a story in which these two animals sort of worked together or it came or one to create an excuse for them to come in contact with each other. And two, it's like, once they do come in contact with each other, what, what, what then, what do you do with them? So, uh, we split the story in half with Bryce writing the first half about acid chimp and how he comes to be a billionaire Island. And then I wrote the second half about why he's on billionaire Island and, uh, and what happens there. And basically what I came up with is like, he is, um, that the, um, the billionaires on Billionaire Island want to get rid of Business Dog because he's the richest mammal and he uh, sort of the as, as a result, he's the one in charge of the island. So they think if they bring an acid flinging chimp to the island and give it to him as a gift that the acid chimp will do to Business Dog what they have been able unable to do and, and assassinate him. Uh, things do not go according to plan, as right. you might guess. Uh, but that was sort of. I'm actually kind of proud at how we landed the uh, the plane, considering what a weird and tough writing assignment it was that we drew. But yeah, it was not an idea that either of us had you know, or would have had in a million years. But is that something that as a creator, like you, you kind of enjoy those challenges sometimes of where you're like, Oh, how do I make this work? Yeah. Sometimes that's, that's kind of fun. I, and I encounter that a lot too, when I'm writing uh, inventory titles or I'm writing like uh, backup stories for for big two it's one of the appeal other than the fact that it's sort of a, a quick and easy paycheck you know one of the things yeah. that appeals to me about the stories is that the premise is already sort of created for you it's really you're just coming in and you're telling a story within like these these limited prompts it reminds me of being you know when i was a beginning writer like being in a writing group and getting writing prompts and you know sort of uh you know things like that and it, and it, and it is kind of fun it, it, it i treat it more like a like a slumber party than, 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 than being at work when I get one of those assignments. Uh, yeah. And to continue with, again, your stuff that you're talking about of all these things, one of the big news I'm for me at least, and I'm assuming a lot of people was recently has announced that you're coming back with a, another dark age, not another dark age, another book, uh, Batman dark age. Cause you just last year did Superman space age. What can you tell us about Batman Dark Age? 
yeah so if you liked superman space age uh batman dark age is kind of a similar premise in that yeah. you know it's this, one of these other universes very similar to our own that's going to be destroyed in 1985 by the anti-monitor so it feeds into crisis on infant earths but this one is told through the perspective of batman and how he's preoccupied with saving gotham and and making Gotham into the city his father uh, wanted it to be. And against the challenges of like, well, he can't get anyone in the Justice League to help him because they're so preoccupied with the threats that like Brainiac and mm -hmm. uh, the Anti-Monitor pose to Earth. And so about him trying to find enough people around him in Gotham to help save Gotham from the uh, the the powers that are trying to destroy it, which in this case are is Wayne Enterprises. Wayne Enterprises is, is actively cannibalizing Gotham for its own bottom line. And, and he has to like, not only save Gotham, but he has to do it by fighting the very company that is his father created. Is, is that a, as a writer, as creative, you know, I know you're a big fan of who Superman is and what Superman represents and trying to write that, the idea of Superman is how is it then for you to have to switch? Because Batman's a completely different style character than Superman, you know, in prepping for this story. Yeah, I think that the the big difference is that you know Superman is a, a, uh, came from out of space. He was a refugee and was like, but was raised with love. Was raised by people who loved him and surrounded by people who cared for him. Batman has kind of the opposite origin. He started out like like very much, you know, uh, about as much of a he won the lottery of birth. You know, he, he's born in the right place, the right time uh, to rich and loving parents who are taken from him almost immediately. And then he's surrounded by violence and threats. And so it's about how do you, you know, Superman's journey is one from like, how do you go from being a good person with, with good instruction to becoming a, a great person, to becoming a person who knows how to use their powers responsibly. Batman kind of like, kind of goes the opposite way where it's like he starts with a person with a great wealth great powers right out of the gate but he has to learn how to become a good person how to like make that work within the framework of his humanity because he's surrounded by so much violence and tragedy is this in the i'm guessing in the same type of format that space age was of the three issue 80 pages a little different we're going to okay. break this one into six issues of 40 pages so ultimately the the collection will be the same length as superman but it will be divided to six stories as opposed to three and is our mike and laura our team all coming back together for this yeah so all the same all the same team and uh yeah and the, there, there are the characters from the justice league that were in the superman space age will all make appearances in, in batman dark age too and so there will feel like this is a continuity which is by design we want this to feel like very much like a continuation of the other story, even though it takes place in a different universe. Yeah. I I'm assuming that the creative team's going to be a little bit happier that they're not doing the ages at the time. I know a little more. Yeah, more spaced no, out. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why we broke into six is it's a little more manageable uh, for, for all concerned. And also uh, it, it's a little easier on, I think the, uh, uh, the public to, to buy an issue for $5 as opposed to 10 and, and to have them come out like on like a, a, a semi-monthly basis as opposed to like a quarterly basis, be a little easier for people to keep up. Yeah. How uh, how quickly into the pro? I'm assuming that writing Superman Space Age that you were like you're in that world. You're like, what other stories could I tell and expand off of this? 
Like how quickly in did you come up with like I want to I want to tackle Batman? Yeah, well, I think we pretty early on in the process of doing because there was a lot of stuff I wanted to write about Batman, include in Superman Space Age, but I just didn't have the room. It was a Superman book, right? right. And I already had included a lot of Batman in it. So yeah, I think we knew early, early on we really need to do a whole other book about Batman. And when Superman Space Age, you know, turned out to be sort of acclaimed and and popular enough to warrant a second book, uh, that was the, the the idea we immediately had. And and now we're thinking hopefully we'll be able to do a trilogy. They'll be able to do a third one uh, with Wonder Woman uh, in the the third third part. It's it's so cool to you know you you have a lot of stories that you you've told that you've been able to tell and you know coming back to them right like this one and it's there's something about characters that feel familiar um and we've all read batman we've all read superman but having the whole team back together i think is going to make it feel special because it's a world that we're familiar with and used to and it's got to be a fun thing to write though too yeah, and I think the the cool thing about writing in sort of these adjacent universes is that people will recognize the characters when they come back. You know, I know I understand that my version of the character is a little different than what is like sort of the uh, the DC canon, but these characters will be very similar to the ones that you left in Superman Space Age. So in a way, it's sort of creating an alternate DC canon, so in which you know I hope that you know if, if I could see myself or see a, the team like four or five years from now, I'm hoping that we just keep able to keep doing new and more and more entries of, in, of this type of book in the DC universe that they basically just let us create a pocket DC universe. Yeah. Around Super Age. Well, I mean, cause I feel like the, the moment we see flash on in Batman, Dark Age will be like, Oh, there's, there's, there's Mark Russell's flash. <laughs> there's Mike and Laura's flash in this. Like, Yeah. I would love to do like a flash centric book at some point. Uh, just so a book about Flash, like trying to keep himself busy, keep himself from being bored, and then maybe like like one page out of twenty, he actually like saves the world, and then he's back to like you know making uh, sculptures out of his popsicle sticks or uh, thinking of ways to fill his day. It'd be so good. <laughs> and the, to keep with this kind of of uh, you talking about where you're working on something and you're coming back and getting to explore it. Um, last time we did an interview uh issue one of your third arc of second coming was coming out uh it was getting excited <laughs> that arc was fantastic for me i thought you i thought you brought home the story in a in a wonderful way that you know needed to happen and i was a little sad because i was like ah, it's gonna be over but you say at the end that there's more to come. Is that is that still the case that you're still trying to work on some second coming stuff? There is more to come. Uh, yeah. In fact, we are already a third of the way through, or at least I'm a third of the way through the next season of second coming. Uh, so there's going to be at least one more volume of second coming. I'm hoping for at least two more volumes. So, yeah, there will definitely be more second coming on the way. How do you as a as a writer and a creative, you know, balance all these different books. Cause like you're coming up, all these things are coming up at the same time. It seems like, and maybe it's just how they're coming publishing. How do you, how do you keep all the, all the ducks in a row to go from, okay, I'm writing Batman, you know, dark age right now to writing a second coming style of a story. Is it spaced out more than we would think or not really? I actually, I find it kind of helps me working on multiple things at the same time and multiple things that are very different from each other. 
because you know you you just sort of exhaust that sort of dc brain space after a while or you just feel like you're beating your head against the wall so if you go write some second coming it's like you you're you know that that part of your brain hasn't been you know it's fresh and then when you're done writing an issue or two of second coming then you're okay to you're ready to come back and write some more batman so i i, I really like writing very different things at the same time that that's an interesting thing because i you know they are completely different styles and you know and especially like something like you know to go from rumpus room to traveling to mars i feel like are completely different books too um which we haven't talked about either of those again this is stuff we can we, there's so many things out there and that's so good um you how was it getting to go back with awa with rumpus room i know you were there originally with not all robots you know that's where you guys won the eisner with that and things and then you're like boom let's hit them with the rumpus room yeah they're, they're really fun to work with because they really get sort of um high concept science fiction and i think they also really enjoy the sort of irreverent attitude uh that that we bring to to science fiction i think a lot of people would be sort of put off by that in fact i uh i've never had a pitch that was harder to sell than non robots that was like the pitch that everybody was rejecting uh so the fact that they took a chance on that and then they took a chance on rumpus room which sounds like an equally bad idea uh to me is like the, the, this is like a company i would like to work for you know more in the future because they really get that that a lot of times the the ideas that sound a little sketchy or or uh off-putting or maybe were you know that you're gonna you're gonna get the the best sort of most original stories yeah and <clears throat> if people haven't gotten to rumpus room i think it, what four issues are out right now there's still one more uh yeah fifth i think the fifth issue uh comes out this month uh but the, the finale it's five total of five issues okay i remember when you pitched the idea of you're know, like this is just a billionaire has a rumpus room that he throws people in that get in his way and they makes them into a nice face screen <laughs> yeah no it, it's yeah it's again it's it doesn't it's not a real strong pitch it's like you if you're pitching that to somebody they're like tell me that last part again he <laughs> does this why oh he's, he turns them into an amazing face cream that keeps them looking young yeah. uh which you know is obviously a metaphor for you know what is actually happening in you know the uh, the billionaire economy yeah. uh and not too far from the fear from the truth actually uh but but yeah it's it's the sort of thing that um I think a lot of comedy is big and small where you're expecting something big to happen and something really small happens. So the idea that he has these human prisoners and they're being crushed in this chair and, and they're being, uh, you know, uh, kept against their will under underground. And then it's all just to make, you know, uh, toiletries. Uh, it's, it's like sort of just inherently funny to me. Uh, that, you know, it's also was kind of intended as like a dark parable for uh, American democracy where, you know, it's like you are here to be one by one crushed and turned into skin cream for a billionaire, but we'll give you the right to vote on, on who the per next person to be crushed is, which I feel like in a lot of ways is what, you know, the American Republic in the 20th and 21st century has become. It's like our, our, our powers of democracy are kind of limited to uh, who the next person to go into the chair is going to be. And because we realize we are so powerless to control our fate in any meaningful way we then begin to try to control it in the in the ways that are that are destructive to each other we try to basically just decide who the losers are going to be because we don't feel like we have the power to create a system whereby everybody wins how much how much is it when you're coming up with an idea like this does does real life um you know 
something like rumpus room where do you sit there and go how can i take this type of situation in the world and put my a mark russell you know spin on it you know like you said like well, that's the easy part you know i can't help but but write a mark russell story it's the only thing i'm really capable of so yeah a lot of it is just sort of uh trial and error it's about okay. how i imagine somebody writes a song you know they just sit with the guitar and sort of put some notes together maybe a chord and eventually they find something that works and so for me i just start with a general concept like oh a billionaire keeps people in his uh rumpus room and you know so he can harvest them later and then i just start sort of tinkering around with that and the story eventually just sort of writes itself and is that is that something that like you have these ideas that you're kind of like as you're out in the world that you're like, I wonder if I could take this concept, you know, of billionaires of this American Republic that we live in of, you know, not being able to vote. Like, how can I, how can I add something to that and tell a story like that? Is, do you have just ideas like that come up to you and you start to go with it? Or is it just something that you pocket away for? Yeah, a lot of both. Uh, and I think that, the, you know, it's a good idea or, you know, at least it's an idea that you can make a book out of if it's got a multiplier effect. Okay. I mean, if you have a really good idea, but it's just one idea and it doesn't really go anywhere, then maybe that's an idea for a short story, or maybe that's an idea for a single issue. But if you have an idea that like gives you other ideas, then that's probably a series or a book. And this is definitely one of those ideas that gave me other ideas. Who would be in the rumpus room? Why? Uh, what sort of guy this would be? Uh, why he would you know feel like he was justified? And uh, in basically cannibalizing people for this incredibly minor benefit, and you know, which you know leads me to think about his worldview and stuff. So mm -hmm. it it really was a story that got me thinking about other ideas beyond the initial story, which I always really those are the ones I like to like turn into books. Yeah, is is the process harder or different? Like from doing something like Rumbus Room to traveling to Mars where traveling to Mars feels like, you know, we've been like, we've had multiple arcs of second coming and things like that, but this seems like it's your longest ongoing of like monthly that we're getting of a, you know, I talked to you last time and it was like three issues out when I talked, I was like, Oh man, you're just wrecking me emotionally. Lo and behold, I didn't even know it was about <laughs> what you're about. to Yeah. Do. It's, it's um probably the most deeply personal thing I've I've written and and yeah it's it's at eleven issues, which is a weird number, but they tell all one story. It's not yeah. going to be like a lot of the series where it's an arcs or I can build onto it. When it's done, it's done. It will be sort of my Romana Clef, uh, you know, when it when it's all finished. And uh, it's it, and it's a very different writing than than writing something like uh, Second Coming or you know Batman or something in that you. This is just a story I had to give birth to. And when it's done, it's done. And I feel like it is a unique flavor. It is different than the other things I'm writing because it is mostly just sort of about a person being left alone with their own sort of feelings and thoughts and regrets about the life they've left behind on earth. But I also feel like in a lot of ways, it's, it's maybe the best thing I've ever written. Yeah. it's I have seen uh, people on best of the year shows um as of late that everywhere i look at traveling to mars pops up onto that and i think that's a it's a testament to the story you know it's not a blaze isn't the biggest publisher you know it's not something of like a character that we are familiar with so it is standing on the story and the creative team uh you know the art and stuff alone i think so that is a testament to 
rightfully saying it's one of your best works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think one of the advantages of going with a company like a place is that they don't pressure you to, to conform to university, you know, you know, to these industry standards, you can yeah. make the story as, you know, a weird number of issues. You can have gaps between issues to like take time to do them right. And you can tell the kind of story you want as opposed to like having to make something all about cliffhangers and car chases and, uh, you know, and things you can, you can tell a story that's just sort of deeply human, which I really like. And, and you still have, you, you still have that very scientific sci-fi feel to the story that you wanted to tell, you know, but it, you could do it, like you said, without having to have space battles and stuff. And I, yeah, I think there's there... a space battle and it's you know, sort of the, the, the humor is that it's so anticlimactic because it's not like at all you would see in like star Wars or anything. It's just these two ships, one slowly converging on the other for, you know, uh, weeks. And, and just, you know, they, the guy in the, the front ship knows it's going to catch up to him eventually. And so, but it's him like sitting down, eating breakfast, watching his pursuer slowly catch up to him. How, like, I'm not, I'm not a science guy. Like how much like research did you do of like, how can I actually, how would this actually work in a space battle? <laughs> Or you're just like, I think yeah, well, um, I mean, it, a lot of it is, you know, sort of, uh, I did a lot of research for uh, a lot of the science about Mars itself and, okay. and how you would, how you would land on Mars or live on Mars. And, um, uh, but yeah, a lot of it is just like sort of fundamental physics, which is, you know, like most space flight, it's not like you're like you see in like cartoons and stuff where somebody's just blasting their engine and whipping around and like like a race car or something right burn your fuel at you know to 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 create your trajectory and and your speed and then you sort of coast for like 99 percent of the of the uh the journey and so there's not a lot of you can't really like slam on the brakes and turn around or hide behind an asteroid so right. you just sort of have to set your trajectory and, and and get close enough and that's the way these spaceships are designed to get close enough to the other craft that you can then manipulate these these giant arms that come out of the craft to sort of destroy it and if you throw some because the trajectories have to be so precise if you throw somebody's trajectory off a little bit then they're they're basically just heading out into the darkest space they're going to miss you they're going to miss mars they're going to miss everything and just go out into the oblivion i i remember reading that and i was just like because i'd never seen something like that and i was like that's brilliant i am going to be sad when that wraps up just because i've you know, it's a book that I've gotten to read for the past, what, year and a half, it feels like. And yeah, no, it's been going on forever uh, because we've, we've taken some time between issues sometimes, which I, you know, I'm not complaining about. No, no, no. Rob's artwork is like totally justifies taking some time with it. Yeah. So, well, Mark, I obviously I could talk to you forever. That's why I keep bringing you on the show. <laughs> but I want to respect your time. Um, is there anything that, you know, that you, we haven't talked about that you want to mention real quick. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, yeah. My uh, my cursed series, Dead Box, which yes. ran with Vault and got interrupted for about two years in the middle of the series, but it's finally coming out in its entirety. Uh, it's in uh, trade paperback now, so please look up Dead Box. It's about a uh, a town with a uh, a cursed DVD rental machine where the movies seem to know more about the lives of the people in the town than they do. And uh, it was like one of the, the the creepiest and sort of most fun things I've ever had the opportunity to write. So I hope you uh, I hope you will check it out. Dead box. You said this. So you said the completed trade um, is out because what 
did only like three or four issues five issues but okay only issues one and three came out and then we had a two-year gap in the series so issues four and five are only in the trade okay so uh if you get the trade you'll get the complete series good because i i remember that was one that you know it was it snuck under my radar and i got the single issues and then didn't know what happened then now i know now we get it so <laughs> right so well great so gang again if you're not picking up mark's stuff um shame on you uh but, uh where can people follow along with you of what you're working on um when you had announcements and things like that uh well if you want to look at my peruse my uh my uh my uh, bibliography feel free to come on over to markrussellbooks.com otherwise i'm on social media I'm on uh, Blue Sky and Threads and Instagram. Not very active on on the old Twitter anymore. I feel like that's the 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 way a lot of us comic folks have become. So but. yeah, but Blue Sky is great if you're into comics. That's where a lot of the creators seem to be most active. Yeah, I've I've been seeing that a lot with Blue Sky and Threads. Is that I'm getting a lot of interaction on those of with creators and things like that. So it's been fun, kind of just recreating my own little comic ball. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like social media has become fun again, uh, just because yeah. more positive and more creator centric and more people just sort of talking about their interests on like, especially on Blue Sky, I think, but but also threads. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we, we mentioned uh, Batman Dark Age. When is that coming out? In spring? Uh, March. Yeah. March. So issue yeah. number one drops in March. So gang. March 14th. I, I don't remember the exact date, but in March. Yes, I'm so excited. So go go pick up books, check them out. And then, uh, Mark, I look forward to uh, talking with you again next year. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Hey, talk to you later, Greg.